Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. We started last week a series on relationships. We're going to continue that this week. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 said, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself cannot stand. It is impossible for a family, a church, a marriage, a city, a state, a country, a business, a sports team to be divided against itself and not fall. If you're divided, you're going to fall. Leo Toisto made this observation. He said, all happy families are alike. And then he said, each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. You know, what really makes a great author is when they take and have great perspective into human nature and the human condition. And I believe that that, what he said is true. All happy families are alike. And they're alike because they live by principles. Now, we are, and by the way, these are absolute principles. But we are living in a society that rejects absolute truth. But as Christians, we are part of a kingdom that has a foundation in absolute truth. Jesus said, your word is truth. So we're not to be like the society that we live in. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse two tells us, don't be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, be changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitudes. See, what God's word is supposed to do is it's supposed to change the way that we think. It's supposed to give us new ideas, new values, new morals, a new and different way of living. A sixth grade teacher in California, in a middle-class community, decided to create a creative writing project. And so she asked her sixth grade class to complete this sentence. I wish, and she expected, you know, well, I wish I had a new bicycle or something like that. But when she collected the papers, 20 out of the 30 students, their answer had to do with their home life. What, what wasn't there, what they wanted to be there that was not in their home life. She got answers like this. I wish my parents wouldn't fight. I wish my father would come back. I wish my mother didn't have a boyfriend. I wish I could get straight A's so that my father would love me. I wish I had one dad and one mother so kids wouldn't make fun of me. When Mother Teresa won the Nobel Peace Prize, she was asked, what can we do to promote world peace? This is what she said. Listen, go home and love your family. Go home and love your family. The truth is this. The people coming from healthy families usually do not become dysfunctional, right? You look at the crime statistics. It's rare that good homes produce unhealthy people. There are exceptions, absolutely, but it's rare, right? We can put a man on the moon. We've got all sorts of phenomenal technology, but we have a hard time going home and loving the people that are a part of our family that we are supposed to be committed to. A professor in Alabama conducted a survey. He put a small ad in 50 newspapers in 25 different states. Is what it said. If you're part of a strong family, please contact us. We know what, we we know much of what makes families fail. 
but we need to know what makes them succeed. He received over 3,000 responses. And there were six things that just kept on coming up again and again and again and again. And they were really success principles for happy families. Now, here's what I know is true. That every success principle that works, it's a God principle. Years ago, I was taking a class on addiction in college. And uh, we had to study as part of our class, Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, there's this 12-step program. And I remember getting each one of those 12 steps and putting 10 scriptures next to each one of them. You wonder why it works? Because it's all based on the Bible. Did, did you know that he was a born-again Christian? man who started Alcoholics Anonymous. It works because they've got Bible principles. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at those success principles. And uh, Jeannie is going to come on up and help me. I need all the help that I can get. All right. Come on up, honey. Thank you. Now, the f- Hello? That, hello. Oh, here. here. I shared that um, they're excited that I'm up here, honey, not because you're not feeding them good things, but you're feeding them meat and potatoes, and I'm the chipotle, you know, little spice <laughs> that makes him sweat. <laughs> and they enjoy seeing you sweat. And, and, and it is true. Listen, the, the, we, we have no, at least I have no idea what she's going to say. All right. We, we have not like sat down, well, I'll say this and then you say that. No, she knows what she's going to say. I know what I'm going to say. In fact, I'm not even sure she knows what she's going to say. All right. But number one, all right, the six principles is commitment to each other. A sense of the family being a team. Genesis 2.24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined or cleaved to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is being asked about marriage by the Pharisees. And he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then we are no longer two, but one. And what God has joined together, let not man separate. Let me just deviate here for just a moment. Now notice what Jesus said, what God has joined together. What makes marriage is not a piece of paper. What makes marriage is when God joins two people together. That's what makes marriage, all right? God joins two people together, and he does that, all right? But his, what, what, who God joins together is he brought one man and one woman, all right? And God joined one man to one woman, and he made the two one, all right? It does not matter what the Supreme Court says. All right? What marriage is, is when God joins one man and one woman. All right? The Supreme Court can say whatever they want to say. Right? They did not, they did not institute humanity in marriage. God did. And God said, this is what I do. I take one man and one woman and I join them together and they're no longer two they are one, all right? So notice the two, are, the two are no longer two, but they are one. It's a family identity. It's a family unit. It's where you invest your time, your energy, and your heart more than in any other place, right? The family members are committed to each other, right? That means even if one goes astray, 
right? And there may be a broken down fellowship for a while, right? There is always an open door for that family member to repent, to come back, to be forgiven, to be restored to the family. What kept coming up again and again, the number one thing that kept coming up was family first. That was the motto, right? Not friends, not work, not hobby, family first. Every other priority except for relationship with God came under marriage and the family. You want to say something at this point? I just keep going. Okay, so you're going to have me keep going. Now, think about a wedding ceremony for a moment. Now, there is a lot of fluff. How many of you know that? I mean, today, I mean, people spend 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and even more thousands of dollars on a wedding. All right? And there's just all sorts of fluff that goes around. But here's the meat and the potatoes. This is what counts. All right? When you take all that fluff away, all right, there are vows, there are commitments that are made to each other. Right? And you say, I will love you and I will stand with you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness, in health, to have and to hold till death do us part. Oh, okay. Did you notice, notice that? This is the first time I've ever noticed that. It says to have and to hold. I think they made a mistake putting the and in there and it was just to have to hold. You committed <laughs> to have to hold me. <laughs> Anyway, I just wanted to get that in there. Okay. So what is it talking about? It's talking about commitment to the family, right? And we live in a culture that is weak on commitment, right? We like options, right? And we might go for some short-term commitment, but when it comes to long-term commitment, as a culture, we tend to avoid it, right? People are getting married later and later in life. Some people not even getting married. Uh, because they don't want to make a commitment, right? Now, where does commitment begin to disintegrate? Well, in our culture, it begins to disintegrate with love and emotions. And, and I'm going to talk um, a little bit. This, this, this hits you if you're married, but let me just talk to the singles for just a minute, all right? God said, it is not good for man, mankind, to be alone, all right? Now, there are people that have a gift to be single. The Bible talks about it. The apostle Paul wrote about there are people that have a gift to be single. But that is the exception. That is not the rule. All right. Now, if if you've got that gift, you don't want to. You have no really desire to be married. No real desire for family. Right. And you've got that gift. That's fine. But otherwise, that those few people are the exception, most people are moving towards marriage, right? In their mind, in their heart, they want to be married, right? Those that don't, right, they remain single. But the vast majority of even the single people that are here, you're moving towards marriage. Now, listen, if you cheat on God's laws before marriage and have premarital sex, it's easier to cheat afterwards, It literally is, in the spirit realm, it is the same compromise. It is breaking God's laws. But if you and your future spouse will honor God's laws, God will bless you for it and will strengthen your marriage and your relationship. 
right? Now, if you're going to go to a really nice restaurant, all right, um, we don't usually go to really nice restaurants in, in the United States anyhow, but uh, we have a church that we've visited a number of times in Korea. It's right downtown Seoul, Korea. Uh, the church meets in a skyscraper. And um, when, when we go, just kind of give you a pray for us, but it's not like we're suffering. Okay. I mean, when we go there, we're like, somebody has to suffer for Jesus and we're willing. All right. You think of what Korea's third world through Korea is not third world, right? Very, very wealthy church. They literally fight over who gets to send the chauffeur, their chauffeur driven limousine to pick us up. Okay. And uh, they put us in one of the finest hotels in the country and they take us to eat in these unbelievably fabulous restaurants. They're like five stars times three. I mean, just unbelievable stuff. All right. And I remember we went to this one, we had a 22 course meal. All right. So when we're going there, let me tell you what I don't do. I don't eat chips before we go out. All right. I'm like saving everything because we are going to the finest most unbelievable restaurant. We don't want to go in the kitchen and get the scraps. We are waiting for the best. All right. And really that's what marriage is. All right. Don't take the scraps. All right. Just wait, show up hungry, all right? Show up hungry. All right. And really it is before the marriage that you build the discipline and the strength. Right? It's before the marriage that you build the trust that you need inside of your marriage. Now listen, Hollywood tells you and I that the foundation of marriage is love. It is not. The foundation of marriage is trust. This is what the Bible says. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. You can love somebody with all your heart, but if you cannot trust them, being married to them is a nightmare. If you don't know when they get the paycheck, if they're going to come home or they're going to stop at a crack house and spend it all, how many of you know that's a nightmare? You can love them, but if you can't trust them, it's a nightmare. Right? And literally here in Proverbs 31.10, it is talking specifically about trust in the area of your sexuality. Right? Trust is the foundation for marriage. Right? It does not matter how big, how beautiful, how elaborate, what kind of, uh, uh, of uh, refrigerator or stove or countertops or flooring you have in a house. If the foundation is bad, you're going to have trouble. Right? That's why you look at Hollywood and you have got some of the most beautiful, handsome people in the world. And they will spend millions of dollars getting married. And it doesn't last six months. All right? Because you need more than pretty. You need more than handsome. All right? You need more than feelings and fluff. All right? You need trust. You need commitment. All right? Those are the things that are the foundation of a marriage. All, right? All studies show that cohabiting before you're married produces more problems. All right? People say, well, we're going to check this out, see if we can be committed to each other. But the reason you cohabit is because you're not committed, right? And this is, this is statistically proven in over and over and over again. You cohabit, then you get married. You are more likely to have every single type of abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, right? 
you've got to be committed to that other person. Right? You've got to know that you can trust that other person. And you, you build strength all right, and trustworthiness by resisting sexual temptation before you're married. Before you're married. All right? Then you'll have the strength to resist after you're married. All right? you don't, by the way, you don't need to look for it. It'll come looking for you. I think it was this morning when we read the proverb. It was talking about the adulteress. And it says, she seeks the precious life. You know, when pe- people in this world are looking for something that's solid. Right? When they see somebody who's solid, it's just amazing the way that they show up. You don't need to seek sexual temptation out. It's going to come after you. Right? But when you're ready... When you, when you have built that foundation, when you put trust in your marriage, you're ready to stand and resist. I just want to say something to the singles because when we talk about this all the time, then um, because the world pressures and, and uh, someone was telling me after the first service that there's even called Maslow's hierarchy of needs that they teach them in um, the medical field and psychology. And on that list is that it's a human need to have sex. And so uh, singles are like, okay, so, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm single, but I have this need and I need this. And um, so then they look at, at God's instruction that you should not have sex until you're married. And then they think, well, God is a big stick in the mud and a big meanie because he's depriving me of what I need. And the truth is that, that sex is needed in marriage, but outside it's not. And when you, but it's a good thing. It's a really good thing, but it's a good thing for a relationship. And when you get something that you don't need and um, then it's misused and you don't get the benefit from like, like if you do not have a car, you have a bicycle and you're traveling with a bicycle, but you can say, you know what? I'm envious of those who have cars. They get to go to the gas station and get gas. Well, I think I need gasoline too. You can pull up to the gas station. You can fill your pockets with gas. You can drink it. You can guzzle it. But trust me, it's not good for you because you really don't need it. When you Someday, if you, you get a car, then you might need it, but you don't need it now. But it damages you because it wasn't made for you in that situation. And if we would see that God is good, he really loves us. And, and what he planned for us is for our good. Um, you know, sometimes the sex, and they say, well, but the pleasure of sex, we need, you know, sex is made for making babies. <laughs> that's one of the, the reasons. And so outside of a marriage, that's not, sex is, one of the things is security. And you don't have security outside of marriage because you don't have a commitment. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're seeking for the benefit and of, of it and you can't get it. And then another thing is for pleasure. But outside of the relationships where we're united and in a marriage relationship, then um, the, the pleasure that you get is a self-centered, it's just for me, pleasing me. And so you get hurt and you don't get security. And this is a whole nother sermon, so okay. I better quit. So you break God's rules. Before you're married, it's more difficult to resist breaking God's rules. After you're married, it erodes trust in the marriage. Girls, just tell them, no ring, no thing. 
All right? No <laughs> ring, no fame. All right? Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes they think, well, I'll just, I'm just going to, you know, like sow my wild oats and we'll get married. And, and then sometime, you know, we'll get right with God. And the baby shows up and you're like, oh, my goodness, now we've got to take care of this baby. We better dedicate this baby to God. And, and you should. But truthfully, you should dedicate yourself to God way before the baby ever shows up. Trust and commitment should be established on the front end of the relationship, not after the fact. And it's the easiest to establish on the front end of the relationship. All right, second characteristic. Well, well, before you say the second thing, just, you know, there are those that you have, you're at the place in your life where this is such a good word for you. You're hearing it. You're getting it. Yes, I'm going to make a commitment right now and keep myself pure and do it right and then there's some of you like, and I don't like to hear that because that makes me feel miserable because I blew it. I've blown it. I'm, I, and, and you can feel kind of like we're condemning you. We're not condemning you. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The blood of Christ was shed to cleanse you from every defilement of the enemy and the death, the destruction of sin in your life. And the blood is there to cleanse you. And if you need to, you hear the word, just receive it as, I write, God, from this point on, I want your blood to cleanse me. I turn away from that sin and I want to do life your way. Amen. Amen. Characteristic. Characteristic number two of strong families is they spend time together. You spell love T-I-M-E, right? You just want to spend time with each other. You remember when you were dating, you know, you just call them up and they say, hey, let's just see each other. What are you going to do? I don't care. Just whatever. You just want to be with them. All right. Um, Steve Hage was here. Was it last week Steve was here or the week before? Yeah. No, week before. Steve was here. Steve's, Steve's a good friend. All right. And uh, he was preaching in Detroit on Thursday night, Battle Creek on Saturday night and Sunday and morning, and then down to Chicago to preach. But he had Friday off. So he's in Detroit. He calls me up on Thursday. And he said, hey, he said, uh, tomorrow I've got off and I'm in Detroit. He said, thinking about coming over. And I said, well, come on. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't care. Just going to hang out, all right? And that's what it is with family. You just want to hang out. 1,500 kids were surveyed and asked what makes a happy family. Not one of them said new cars, big houses, jewelry, but over 90% said doing things together. What makes a happy family? Doing things together. And don't let your home become a domestic cloverleaf where you're simply passing each other on the way in and on the way out. Now, I know that in our culture, families can get very busy with uh, team sports, extra school activities. And somebody says, well, what do we do? We get quality time or do we get quantity time? And the answer is yes. The lie is that you can't have both. All right. Because you can have both. All right. You know, that quantity time, activity together, all right? But it's when you have that quantity time that the quality time takes place. Those magic moments happen, right? But you just say, we're going to have quantity time. You plan stuff, right? You plan a vacation. You plan to spend time together. You plan a holiday. You plan a special meal. You plan an educational trip. 
You plan to do stuff together. And as you're spending that quantity time together, that quality time, those magic moments, they happen. Yeah, and it's interesting, when, especially when they get to be uh, teenagers, that um, sometimes, you know, their friends and hanging out with their friends can kind of get in there where they just forget about mom and dad when they're not interested. And I remember when Dwayne, he's a good man of big, deep ruts, and, you know, he had a plan. We're going to, and he just, the family's going to do this this weekend. We're going to do this. We're going to hang together. And, um, I remember Stephanie just, I think she was the, I suppose the boys did it too, but I, I remember most of her like, oh, do we have to go to the lake and swim? Do we have to do this? I just want to be with my friends and, oh, dad, you know, can't I just do my own thing? And I don't want to be with a, I just want to do my own thing. And so he was like, bring your friends, bring the friends, come, let's, you know, we're going to go do this and bring your friends and hang out together and what was so funny was like two years later after she graduated went off to college and and she came back she's like one of my some of my best memories are the wonderful fun times we had when we went to the lake and doing this and I said don't you remember dad made you? oh no dad never had to make me do that <laughs> I love those things those were the best times and and um it was true sometimes the right thing isn't always the things your kids will want to do um, I have these memories of um, family time, like chore times. Um, we, when we say quality, and that doesn't mean it has to cost money. It doesn't mean you have to go someplace outside the home. You have to do. You can eat meals together. It just takes doing it on purpose. And some of the things that my my folks, um, you got work to do around the home, and and you can make it fun and quality, good time. We had games that mom would play. I mean, we had to pick bushels and bushels of chard and green peas and whatever, and she'd line up each kid, you know, the assembly line. We had buckets of water, and you'd dip the chard, and then you'd dip it and dip it, and we'd sing songs, and and we each had our, our job that we had to do, and she made it as much fun as we could, but to this day, that's that's still the quality. I look back, and I don't think, oh, mom worked us to the bone. <laughs> I just think, man, I had fun growing up. I had a fun family and a good family because they took the times that might have even been a chore and turned it into quality, quality time. Just find something your family can do, you know, do together. It can be crazy. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, and you're going to think that we are Duck Dynasty without beards, but (laughs) but I'm going to tell you, all right? right. Now, as our kids were growing up, we we did a lot of hunting. All right, bow hunting in particular. All right? And we still do today. All right? The whole family and now the grandkids. All right? But somebody shoots a deer and we all get out there and we track it and we find it. We take it back. We hang it up, slip it out of its meat. Everybody lines up, you know, and we're slicing and dicing and making steaks and roasts and throw some on the grill. And, and then when we, just, we, get, we get the thing done and then we take the heart. It was going to be bad for some of you. And put it in a crock pot. And in the morning, we have blueberry pancakes and deer heart. Now, you think, that is so great. I told you, you're going to think that we're like Duck Dynasty on steroids without beards. But, <laughs> but you know what? In our family, it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, this is exciting. All right. You can probably find something more exciting. All right. But just do stuff. Actually, you know, it's funny. Create some memories. Spend time together. 
um, one of our granddaughters, they, they get so <laughs> trained. Of course, they homeschool. So everything's a learning experience. You turn everything around to learning. So when you're gutting a deer, look it. It's, um, we, we hear, see body parts and what, how God put it together and, and what he makes with it. And, and what was it? Was it the bladder? Yes, it was the bladder. You let the kids wash it out and blow it up like a balloon. And, <laughs> and, um, you know. Honey, don't tell this stuff. My goodness. <laughs> Okay. There's people here that don't even know when you eat a chicken salad that there's a gut pile someplace. Just don't say that. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> we should be ending, but we Oops. better say something else. Number three. Bad thing to end on. Number three. All right. Third thing you find in all strong families is appreciation. All right. Home is not a place that you go when you're tired of treating people nice. Right? But you need to appreciate what you have. The, the Bible says that who, he who finds a virtuous fight finds a good thing and her worth is far above rubies. It is so easy to take your family for granted and not appreciate your family. But strong, happy families, they appreciate each other. It says this in Proverbs 31. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and praises her and says, many daughters have done well, but you are better than them all. He's saying, there's a lot of great ladies, but there is nobody like you. I would choose you again in a moment. You are the greatest wife in the world. And every husband should tell his wife that. But listen, when you tell your wife that you are deceived because I have the best wife, (laughs) but you should believe that you do. And you should tell her. It is right here in the Bible. It's right here in the Bible. This is what the guy does. His children are praising their mother, appreciating their mother. He's praising her, appreciating her. Absence does not make the heart grow fonder. Appreciation does. Appreciation does. And one of the things that causes families and marriages to deteriorate is when we do not appreciate each other. All right? And all strong families and strong marriages, there is appreciation. Every day, you know, tell them you love them. Tell them you care about them daily. And even when you disagree, you know, when you're finished, just say, I love you. You know, I'm praying for you. I believe in you, right? You've got great potential. Just keep on building them up. Well, let's bow our heads. First, I just want to pray for every family and every relationship that's here. And please, nobody moving around unless it's absolutely necessary. Father, I do. I lift up every family, every marriage, every relationship. And Father, I pray that you would bless them. And I pray, Father, that you would just open our hearts and that you would put your principles of life on how to have strong marriages, strong families, strong relationships. Just sow them in our hearts, Lord. That they'd produce fruit in each and every one of our lives. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616 534 4923.